comic. Why so serious? What? I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger mission. Logic. Dance off, bro! Me and you! Comic. What? Logic. Precious to me as you were to your own mother and father. I swore to them that I would protect you, and I haven't. The mayor's gonna dump him in the spring. Really? Mm hmm. But he's a hero, a war hero. This is peacetime. You think this can last? There's a storm coming, Mr. Wayne. Talking about your wiener. <laughs> That's how we're going to start the podcast <laughs> off. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Comic Book Logic. Uh, final installment of the Dark Knight series. Uh, uh, I'm your host, Joe, and with me, as always, is Kevin. And today we are doing 2012's The Dark Knight Rises. Basara, basara, tisha, tisha, basara, basara, boom, basara, basara. I really do that all that much. No, it just does the yeah. drums. There's yeah. a lot of drumming in this one. <laughs> it's the bucket kids from outside a uh, Union Station in <laughs> Chicago. Is. Just it's a lot of that. It's a Blue Man Group. Blue Man Group did the the soundtrack featuring Stomp, Stomp or Clank or some other crap. Oh, all right. So we're going to start off this podcast like we start off every podcast. I'm going to do things. I'm, I'm leaving out a, a specific character that's included in this movie. Uh, but, Kevin, what did you know uh, about Bane? Uh, about Bane? Well, <laughs> what so... you know about Bane, Kevin? <laughs> what you know about Bane? What you... Um, <laughs> well, I know that he... We actually read... Uh, and discussed. I don't know if we discussed it. I remember we we wrote about it when we were doing oh, yeah, the, the comic book yeah, logic sort of fall yeah. series. Is that what it, I could not yeah. remember what it was? And that's the one that this draws from a little bit, where Bane, who looks like a Mexican wrestler, yes, with tubes coming out of his back, yes, and he comes in and he his whole thing is he wants to just screw with Batman for a while, and then he wants to basically break batman and he yes. literally does that he picks Both him up literally and mentally break him he, he we see it in this movie we'll get ahead of ourselves a little bit but he picks him up and he breaks him over his knee that's in that comic so i knew that and i think we it was 2012 probably when we were doing that it was like right before like we knew enough about this movie to know bane was in it this was probably going to happen probably yeah um so we read it kind of in advance of that but don't um, tell me what i was thinking i couldn't <laughs> tell you um anything beyond what's on those pages like i don't know anything about what his deal was he was just a big weird dude <laughs> just a big weird dude well anyway bane showed up first in the comic vengeance of bane number one from january of 1993 created by chuck dixon doug mensch and graham nolan no relation i don't think hmm. uh he was a, a, a created specifically for the Nightfall storyline, which you reference, where um, Bane was the whole thing was he was going to be a character who was an intellectual match for Batman and a physical match for Batman. Uh-huh. Uh, his origin is basically that he was born in the fictional Caribbean Republic of Santa Prisca in a prison called Pino Duro. His <laughs> father was uh, the villain King Snake, oh. and uh, he was a revolutionary. A, is that a malt liquor? <laughs> King Snake? It sounds like it. Billy yeah. D. Williams probably 
<laughs> did a commercial for it back Sounds in the day. Delicious. Yes, but he 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 was born into the prison system. He escaped, and he creates this giant um, criminal empire. He's addicted to a chemical called venom, which increases his strength. Um, he sees uh, his his addiction is is a, is a weakness, but it allows him to give this the physical superiority to break Batman. Um, he does wear a luchador mask in the comics as well. Yeah. It's it's pretty nifty. He also watches a lot of television in that comic, I remember, for some reason. Sitting with his feet up, watching TV. It was the 90s. It was must-see TV. It was, it was Thursday <laughs> he was night. catching yeah. up on Frasier. Catching up on Frasier. <laughs> oh, yes! <laughs> I love that dog, Eddie. Giles and Daphne, will you ever come together? <laughs> will they? Won't they? I can't wait to find out. Yeah. Um... Our collected Bane impressions are uh, <laughs> going to both delight and repulse our <laughs> listeners, I'm sure. Yes. Um, the actual ba- uh, Bane was actually, this is his second time showing up in the movies. He actually showed up in the 1997 film Batman and Robin. Which I did not remember at all yeah. until, I don't know, at some point it must have come up and it was like, and then I watched that clip and I was like, Okay, really? Is that was that from this movie? He he played opposite Uma Thurman's Poison Ivy. I think I must have blacked out during most of that movie. That's <laughs> you're just going into convulsions. <laughs> oh, it's so bad, Kevin. Kevin, wake up, Kevin! Don't let him swallow his tongue. Put his spoon in his mouth <laughs> or something. His mouth. Whatever they do with it. Um, yeah, he he was in the 1997 film Batman and Robin. It was a big deal, but and all the fans hated it because he was nothing like he was in the comics. Kind of like in the 2012 movie. <laughs> a little bit. Oh. <laughs> all right. So um, my next question. What did you know about Talia al Ghul? Nothing. <laughs> nothing at all. Um, she... when, when everyone was like, I wonder if uh, Marion Cotillard is playing Talia al Ghul. I was like, what? Who? <laughs> Why would? The... What? So it didn't mean anything to me. Well, uh, she was born shortly after World War I. Um, her father was a French soldier. She went on to sing for the Nazis. <laughs> oh, wait. No, wait. That's Edith Piaf. Oh, okay. Never mind. No. Uh, the character was created by uh, Denny O'Neill and Bob Brown. First appeared in Detective Comics 411 in May of 1971. Uh, she was further expanded on in the graphic novel Son of the Demon in 1987. It was written by Mike W. Barr. Um, basically, she's Rasha Ghul's daughter. Uh, she, uh, he, Rasha Ghul is looking to find his successor and he sees Bruce Wayne, Batman as his successor and wants him and Talia to get together to create an heir, the, the, you know, the, the true heir of, of the demons, of yeah. the demon's head. So, to, and then, uh, so he actually, Batman actually marries her and gets her pregnant in this comic. <laughs> But then, uh, well, it says here they have conjugal relations, which results in her <laughs> becoming pregnant. Uh, <laughs> that, wait, even comic book nerds know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they boinked. They, I wish it said they had Congress. Um, yeah, it says that. They knew each other. At the end of the comic, Finally. Talia con- concludes that she can never keep Batman as he will continuously be forced to defend her. So she fakes a miscarriage and the marriage is dissolved because... Obviously, comic book writers have no idea how marriage works at all or, <laughs> right. or any of that she stuff. She failed to uh, fulfill her wifely obligations of bearing a child in a timely fashion, <laughs> rendering the union null and void. Yep, that that works for me. <laughs> and she actually does give birth to a son. Um, I've, I could pronounce this correctly. It's Ibn al-Zufash. 
Zufafash, which literally means son of the bat, as we learned from the 13th warrior, Eben means son of. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) I knew that movie would come in handy, finally. (laughs) So, uh, and he actually does come back uh, later on in the Batman storylines, just recently in the the late 2000s, uh, early 2010s, comes back as Damian Wayne, Batman's illegitimate son. Damian Wayne? Yes, Damian Wayne. No, Damian Wayne. Uh, so he he takes over the role as as Robin. Ah, yes, for for a brief time, and then he dies. Spoilers, <laughs> and then he comes back, and then he dies, and then he comes back again. Whatever else that always happens. Yeah, that's comic books. Yep. First one to talk gets to stay on my aircraft. Or perhaps he's wondering why someone would shoot a man before throwing him out of a plane. <laughs> now, we have to talk about this movie, I guess, but um, to be fair, we already did extensively three years ago. Three years ago in 2012, we did a little podcast called Planet Arbitrary, where we talked, which was actually inspiration for this podcast, that specific episode, specific episode. And uh, we talked quite in depth about it. Yeah, we talked about it for like six hours. Uh, well, no, we only actually which talked is about half it. the runtime of this film. We it, <laughs> yes, <laughs> we actually only talked about it for an hour, so yeah. it's not. Right. It wasn't that bad. We we were like an hour and a half podcast. This is the longest we've ever spoken before. <laughs> right, and then we did Batman. Yeah, 1989's Batman. But no, um, so I think a good way of structuring this a little bit is to kind of talk about the characters and the people who play them. Of course, uh, you know, we've already talked about at length about most of the characters uh the the newest characters of course is is bane uh catwoman and talia al ghul who's actually miranda tate i think that's her name in the movie yeah. uh who turns out to be talia al ghul of course one of the one of the started a, that awful awful trend in movies i don't know if it, that was the one that started it but that was the one where i really noticed it where it's like no she's not playing that character she's not playing that okay she's that character well and i kind of understand that on some level because you want it to be a surprise so what so if you're the filmmakers because because this we, we mentioned this before with benedict cumberbatch in the second star trek movie that yes. they did recently he's not gonna he's not right oh, hey, he it's 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 a it's a thing in movies that i that with these fan bases that I hate and I really get sick of kind of hearing and reading about and it and we've got Star Wars in yeah. a week as of when we're recording this and hopefully when this this posts we we've got that coming very soon and it's been nonstop speculation where people just can't Ooh, I wonder if she's playing mm. I bet she's playing and if you're the filmmakers you you're like well shit you know we made this movie we're trying to kind of have this reveal for fans, sure, but also for, like, the bulk of the people who are going to go see this movie who have no idea what that is. They don't even maybe know who that character is, and they just think, cool, that might be a good bookend for, you know, the trilogy. So do they outright just deny, which is what they usually do, they yeah. go, no, it's not that character, or do they just kind of go, like, I don't know, maybe. Well, uh, it, it puts the filmmakers in a really bad position because people won't shut up about the thing, and then they get mad when it is the thing that I, they predicted. I, I concur in a lot of ways. However, in the in the fan defense, 
it's not like this is a niche subject that's like very few people know. This is a like a a book that's been in, in publication since the 1930s. There's very few things that you can do that's not that people aren't going to recognize, especially with the 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 con thing. Yeah. And this, in general, it's like, of course she's going to play Talia al Ghul. It's like, I, the second you see the preview, you're like, oh, that's Talia al Ghul. Okay, <laughs> I get it. And But to insult people's intelligence by saying, no, that's not going to be her, that's not going to be her, or whatever else, just keep sh- keep your mouth shut about it. You don't need to worry about it. This was actually a little bit better than, yeah. like, the, than the Star Trek one. The Star Trek one was awful. Right. It was just awful. The reveal was awful. But if, it's not like you can, you're really going to be able to hide a lot of this stuff from the from your viewer, especially your your main viewer, which is your mm-hmm. your comic book core audience. I shouldn't. That's not your main audience. The main audience is the yeah. guy who goes, "I like Batman." <laughs> How come he doesn't dance the Bat Tootsie anymore? One hundred percent pure West, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean that's. I, I agree with it. Yeah, I, I just it frustrates me the the constant sort of speculation. I was I was getting irritated too about uh, the one that really annoyed me. And it's a movie that uh, I, I don't know your thoughts on that. I think I know your thoughts on this movie, but um, the new it Ghostbusters, stinks. the new Paul Feig oh, oh. Um, Ghostbusters uh, movie that's coming out with the all female uh, cast is there's been so much stupid like. Every couple of weeks, it'll just be like, and here's what the proton packs will look like. It's like, just do you want to just make your movie? Yeah. Do you need to just stop? I don't need that. I don't care about all of that. Like, I do my best to kind of avoid. Like, I'll watch a trailer. Yeah. But I try not to watch, like, oh, there's a new. Because if you watch enough between the two or three U.S trailers that come out the international trailers you get two or three of those you get to tv spots um video games and toys will start coming out and that'll spoil yeah. things because they've got to get that on the, the shelves yeah you're gonna get so many spoilers then if you pay close enough attention so i kind of intentionally go out of my way to not pay attention until i get to the movie and i can kind of sit there and like i might know a little bit about it from that point but that constant barrage, and then you've got to know every little available marketing detail, and then you go into the movie, and then you're like, yeah, well, I already kind of knew that was going to happen, because I watched it on the third trailer, so I maybe it loses some impact, maybe it doesn't, maybe I'm overthinking it, but... I'm going to go with you're probably overthinking it. I think it. <laughs> it all ties together, just this saturation thing of like, just, I just, I'm going to just watch the movie, just watch the movie. Yeah. No, I I agree with you, and I think that's what I kind of did with Star Wars. Uh, as I've said on n- other podcasts, Star Wars burned. I burned out so bad on Star Wars during the early two thousands with the the prequel trilogy. Uh, it, they were so bad that it's just like I I'm not gonna speculate. I'm not gonna go on fan boards. I'm not gonna do any of that yeah. stuff just because I just want to see the movie. I want to see if it's good. I want to see if the movie holds up on its own. And that's what we do on this podcast. We see how well does this movie <laughs> hold up on its own. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know we have uh, the character of Bane. Yeah, who I in the in our previous podcast, which I'm going to make reference to a little bit throughout this because I just re-listened to it just to make sure I wasn't going to reuse any old jokes, <laughs> which I will still because sure. some of them are just quality. Um, <laughs> if I do say so myself, the the cultural impact we we speculated on the cultural impact of Bane. Like, will Bane stick around? Like, and this is three years later. I think the Bane voice still sticks around. I, I think. I think Thomas Tom Why, Hardy. Thank you. <laughs> I think the Tom Hardy Bane voice. Oh, Bane's here. <laughs> I think the Tom Hardy Bane is is interesting in and of itself enough to be 
to be culturally relevant for a while. Um, if I'm being completely honest, uh, I love it. I love Bane. <laughs> I love Tom Hardy as Bane in this movie. I'm, and maybe it's just because I'm not coming from anything. I mean, I read that comic, but otherwise, like, no, I mean, I'm glad he's not walking around in a luchador mask. With I kind of like a luchador mask. I so I'm not going to get into it because it's not really my. I'll take a brief aside, but there's a podcast, and, and I'm plugging, I'm bringing it up and plugging it, but I honestly I don't remember it because I heard about it. I I heard it on the most recent or second most recent episode of 99% Invisible, um, which is a really cool and very short podcast. It's only about 20, 30 minutes an episode, so I kind of like listening to them. Um, They did a a sort of, as an episode of their show, they did an episode of a relatively new show that talks about like sci-fi universes and fantasy universes and stuff like that. And they did an episode on comic book character costumes on screen yeah um and it was very cool i don't know if they played the full thing or what but they talked a lot about how brilliant the the bane costume is (laughs) in terms of what it looks like on the page with they talk about like the big shoulders where his head actually sits below his shoulders sometimes and like the mask with the skull and like how it's sort of a they, they go into it and they talk about how with his sort of bald head and then the black thing that's kind of skull shaped it's like an inversion of that and then the big collar it really is, almost yeah. works like the big shoulders it, it, it kind of it impressed me and i thought like okay coming from that perspective and someone who kind of knows about that talking about how impressive this is i'm like all right i get that as like a stylistic choice but even that notwithstanding just Tom Hardy coming in and just being like, screw it. I am doing this really goofy voice, and I'm not going to stop doing it, and I'm yeah. going to kind of preen and like hold my collar for some reason. I love it. I love she watching him. He just loves the way L.L. Bean's uh, f- woolen fabric feels. That's what he loves. He just Who likes, doesn't? He's just like, it feels so smooth on my fingers. It's like petting a lamb. <laughs> it's... Uh, yeah. Uh, he's. I love him. I love him in this. <laughs> you know, and I'm not. I'm not one of those guys who who really. I love the design of Bane in the comics. I think it's a really slick design, especially mm-hmm. because a lot of the crap that came out of the '90s really is crap. Uh, 90, the '90s were the most awful, awful period for comic book characters, and a lot of everything was like metal with. Line. You could look yeah. at the the Winter Soldier from captain america the winter soldier as the design that i absolutely hate if you look at him it's like he's got that long grungy hair with this yeah. this mask in front of his face and the pouches and a metal arm i'm like this is dumb it just is a terrible design costume but the bane costume the pouches is, are for holding snacks yeah <laughs> you get but, hungry but the bane costume is very it's a wrestling outfit it's like a it's like a unitard yeah. almost mm-hmm. but he, it's able it's just sleek enough that it's it's a classic design and you know i'm not gonna hold you know the the universe the batman nolan universe to to do that design yeah of course they're going to take it in their own to make him like this weird british guy that that was a weird twist for me sure and of course you know christopher nolan only is allowed one person of any ethnicity in his movies (laughs) so of course you can't have him be hispanic in any way shape or form right yeah yeah so you said he's from some caribbean yeah caribbean i mean in the even even in the movie it seems like it it didn't when they get into his backstory a little bit toward the end they kind of it wasn't clear to me if he was supposed to have been born in that sort of vague like middle eastern region or like north african well no he was he was born in the shadows bruce wayne merely adopted them (laughs) that's true (laughs) that's true um so it doesn't really get into like his ethnicity, but it's pretty clear he's not like 
Scottish or no. whatever it is that he's kind of going for there. Yeah, yeah he he looks like like a white guy. Yeah. <laughs> essentially, it's like uh, okay. Yeah. You know? Well, he's uh, Tom Hardy's Australian, isn't is he? he? Yeah, I think probably so. something like that. I yeah. Think. Who knows? They're all the same. All those Commonwealth countries. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I I en- I enjoy his take on it, and I think that's something that in listening to the previous podcast, I. I said I really liked, and I, I think it holds up. I think that's it's a fu- it's fun to watch him when he's on screen doing his thing. He's very imposing. He's he portrays this guy who's definitely has the ability to command others, and he he looks like he could be a physical match for for Batman. Oh, he was born in London. Oh, well, there I must you be go. thinking of someone else. <laughs> You're thinking of Mel Gibson. <laughs> I, I was maybe maybe I'm thinking of the original Mad Max. <laughs> yeah, that could be it. <laughs> My bad. So yeah, so uh, there's just a let's let's break this down into a couple like scenes. Let's talk about specific scenes in this movie. Yeah. Uh, the first one I, I do want to talk about the the opening sequence because like every <laughs> because it's bonkers uh, it's, it's, and it makes less sense every time I watch it. I like at the very end of it, like after after the plane blows off and you see the plane hit the ground, it goes ba da ba da ba da ba da da da, and you see like Christian Bale go up and shoot the screen. Like it's the fuselage, the fuselage. You see the circle, of the fuselage, and then Bond comes out through the fuselage and shoots the camera. Because yeah, once again, Christopher Nolan loves directing James Bond films. Batman, Batman will be back in Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice. Dawn of Thunderball. <laughs> Down Thunderball. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 so first of all, the, the scene makes no sense whatsoever. The fact that and I we the fact that Bane is in that mask, that they don't know that that's Bane with that stupid thing over his face underneath that bag yeah. makes no sense whatsoever. No. It's the whole thing, the the point Great of the little scene, finger cameo though. The, yeah. The point of the scene is supposed to be that they need to get the doctor that they kidnap. The guy who knows how to program the bomb. They need to fake his death. Yes. And this was apparently the most appropriate way to do that. Now, I think this is I think this is just the universe that Nolan builds, because we talked about in the last podcast how the Joker, who's this guy who loves anarchy, has the most elaborate plans known to mankind. So how about a guy who loves plans has to come up with even more elaborate plans than the yeah. Joker? It, it's the idea that an only way to get him to get this doctor and fake his death is to fly a plane over another plane, rappel down, blow the wings off the plane, do a blood transfusion to another person, and then steal the guy as the fuselage falls to the ground and starts on fire, is the most ridiculous thing ever. He has not heard of Walter Sobchak's strategy that the more complicated (laughs) a plan is, the more things can go wrong. I'm paraphrasing. Uh, You gotta keep it simple. Yeah, exactly. And this is... The whole thing starts... He the end game is to just to just kill Batman. You you know what the simplest way you start with? I'm gonna walk up and just shoot, shoot Batman, Batman in the face. <laughs> like, and he knows he's Bruce Wayne, so you just shoot Bruce Wayne in the face. Like, you don't even have to wait until he's Batman and try to engage him. You just shoot him from a distance yeah, in the face. Batman's been retired for eight years. But you say, okay, well, we've got to make it a big deal for him. Yeah. So you work backwards from there, and 
the next thing you know, you'd think that the point at which he's like, we've got to steal his fingerprints from the stock exchange. <laughs> like, you'd it think at safe. that point, you'd yeah. think at that would be the moment, if not much, much sooner, that he would be like, has this gotten a bit out of hand? <laughs> He's like George Lucas during the filming of, of Star Wars Episode One. Will you watch right. it? And everyone's like, oh, yeah, this is a great idea. This is a great idea. Yeah. He's like, are you sure it's a great idea? <laughs> There's the one guy who goes, um, I think this is a little complicated. Then, boom, snaps his neck. <laughs> are you sure there are not simpler ways to get into the... No, this is really, the honestly, the most logical and appropriate <laughs> yeah. way to... Uh, to yeah. do this, this is the only way to to, to get fingerprints. Oh god, that's well, it. Yeah, that that, and then the, of course you have the that's that, that weird the weird plot point of. Bruce. So why do I need to get on a plane again? <laughs> Look, we've gone over this. <laughs> okay, but in in defense of that first scene, though, it's a shot beautifully. Yeah, it's fun to watch. It's it's really fun. It's if this mind boggling, but that it's was fun a, to watch. If that was a Bond movie, what would have happened was was that after. Bane like does his whole thing where he does the reveal, then the other guy in the bag would have taken it off and it would have been James Bond the entire time and they <laughs> right. would have fought on the plane. Yes. And then, you know, of course the he would be jumping out the plane, they'd be fighting it would have been in inception air. style yeah. and they'd be jumping on things as it's spinning and they'd be <sighs> jumping across on the seats and punching each other. That would be really cool, actually. And I could totally see it, Daniel yeah. Craig doing that. Yeah. Well then he then he'd hate it and talk about how awful it is to be Bond. <laughs> Yeah, it's but yeah, it's beautifully shot, and the re- Bane's reveal is pretty cool too. I, I always I still watch that, and I'm like, that's pretty cool because it's uh, you know you said in the last podcast it's obviously a hundred pound dude underneath the bag, and then he removes <laughs> the bag, and it's a four hundred pound guy. <laughs> right. I mean, Tom Hardy's probably weighing in at about two sixty at that point. Yeah, I would say, but the guy underneath the bag looks like he's a solid like buck fifty. You know, <laughs> he's, he's just a little pudgy, maybe <laughs> a little pudgy. <laughs> Excuse me, I had some donuts at the duty-free <laughs> shop before I got on. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, then I, the next thing, I guess, would be, I don't know if it's not necessarily a scene, but it's the whole plot of Batman being retired at this point. He's been retired for eight years. Yeah. Because, you know, things. Because they had to go and say that Batman murdered Harvey Dent. Which, we, as we explained in the last podcast, made absolutely no sense. So that they could pass the Dent Act, <laughs> which apparently just strips due process down to nothing, is the idea. It The, the little bit that I... They don't go into it, I guess surprisingly. You, so you think you got Fifth Amendment rights here in Gotham. <laughs> right. As as, Sharon, as uh, Sheriff Roscoe P. Coltrane sits there and pulls people up. Guess you haven't heard of the Dent Act. <laughs> so, <laughs> surprisingly, they Nolan does not go into the in-depth... That's how he's not like George Lucas, because the whole movie would have been about the Dent Act. But the little bit that I can glean from the Dent Act is that one of the things that you can do is just hold people indefinitely with no charges on suspicion of organized crime, which is a very vague blanket term. Well, we learned it has to do with the RICO law. It's it's clear. (laughs) RICO. It's all about the RICO law. (laughs) It's, It's very clear that, like, they've gotten it wrong and that's and and that's one of the things that so we watched about half of this the other day yeah. semi drunkenly um after semi. we recorded our last podcast and then 
uh, I watched kind of the rest of it or parts of it kind of doing things yesterday. And I kind of watched like the last like half of it kind of somewhat focused. Um, we but watched... that was the first time I'd watched it. Yeah. So he watched it on TNT with commercials. Um, <laughs> Which was great, by the way. I'd forgotten how amazing uh, commercials are. Um, I wa- so, so it was like the first time I had really watched it since I saw it in the theater. First time I'd seen it at all. But certain things did sort of hold up and tie together a little bit better than I kind of thought. Because I did like sort of that as a theme of the structure kind of the the batman goes away because he's like all right look we don't need this vigilante anymore like it's 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 a pain it's more you know it's causing a lot of problems you know he gets told for two movies which is about six hours that you need to let you know we have institutions justice is you know what this is all about well by eight years later in this third movie after the events that you know that at the end of the last movie that's broken now. It's clear. It's it's working, but it's deeply flawed and it's deeply troubling. And it brings someone like Bane around to say, you know, we've got to shut this down. This well, is, and I also think I think it's something that is is worth exploring in that universe, and that Nolan doesn't do a really good job of doing. Is that there obviously has to be a lot of civil unrest at this point. For, yeah. for for what happens with with Bane and and the League of Shadows and what they end up doing, there has to be civil unrest. They, the people have to be unhappy with the government. They have to be unhappy with the with the 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 one percenters. They have to be upset with the way that the cops are treating them, the politicians are treating them, and the bankers are treating them. In right. order for that to happen, and I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense. And if he had he had shown more of that, yeah, like the fact that people are, are being held without due process right i mean even if they are criminals you still are entitled to due process the only reason that people that were given that people are like are okay with this is that they're quote only going after organized crime although when you see them all in prison it's mostly like black and hispanic yeah typical looking sort of criminal types which there certainly are some of those in the other movies as like low-level thugs and, and henchmen you know who are working for these mobsters but I don't know. I, I feel like there should have been an implication there that it's like they're not going after just the Carmine Falcone types with this. Yeah, They're cleaning up organized crime, but, you know, that's not who we saw in prison. That's no. not who was broken out at the end of the toward the end of the movie um, and given, you know, AK-47s yeah. to kind of patrol the streets. But it's so funny that we're basically shown – oh, I, I didn't finish my thought. The only reason that we're given that people are okay with that is because Harvey Dent was a super nice guy and <laughs> Batman killed him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. None of that has anything to do with anything that we see in the movie. No, you're absolutely right, 100%. It, it's it, – it, there's there's a weird disconnect that Nolan – Nolan has a, like a really odd sense of symmetry like he tries to do things that that parallel each other so that stuff that happens at the beginning of the movie reflects at the end of the movie yeah. and you can if you squint your eyes hard <laughs> enough you can yeah. see it but right. it it doesn't really make a ton of sense but yeah batman is is retired at this point he's he's yeah. doing the jay gatsby up in his room where yeah <laughs> and the only people who seem to exist in gotham are i guess uh poor criminals yeah um really rich aloof people and cops. <laughs> well, the ec- <laughs> extras from uh, Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> oh, right. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> the, 
That night, Batman came to Gotham City. <laughs> Do-ba-doo. <laughs> he was flying in a giant spaceship that looked like a bat. Do-ba-do-do-ba-do-do. Like a bat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that's the way that the movie should be with Poison Ivy. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. You have this this weird thing about how Batman is retired because he has to be retired for some odd reason because there's no more criminals anymore in Gotham City. Yeah. You, you know, he, so he he's able to be retired, walking around with a cane for some odd reason. <laughs> well, it's just I think it's it's that it's I think they're going for like that Howard Hughes, yeah. like the weird old isolated rich guy who just develops like weird affectations. Like yeah. he was probably peeing in jars. We didn't see that. His fingernails yeah. were super long. Shoeboxes on the feet. <laughs> get in the spruce moose. <laughs> I said get in. Uh, yeah, but that yeah, they're trying to go for that, but you don't know if it's an act or if it's he's really like that or or what's going on. I, I it's so bizarre. Well, because, well Tom Lennon tells us that he yeah. has no cartilage in his knee. Yeah, so. which is the worst thing ever because they're like, oh, you got no cartilage in your knee. Here, here's the thing that prevents that, and we'll never reference this again. <laughs> another one of those stupid things because once again why create that problem only in a movie only to solve it with something in three seconds and then never have it become a thing well and then it's not like he was like oh i could beat bane but ah my knee hurts well no what that would be the thing is that he has this problem with his knee and you're like oh that's gonna be his weakness bane's gonna go for the knee bane's gonna go for the knee. <laughs> never, never goes, goes for, for the, the knee. knee it's that parallelism that nolan doesn't know how to do yeah that that Oh. There's no reason for that to be in the movie if it was never going to be a thing. Yeah. I mean, the only reason why it would be referenced is the fact that Bruce Wayne went to Dr. Tom Lennon to so that he's able to go down to uh, Gordon's uh, right. hospital room. Yeah. And that's the only reason. And I there mean, was like, no reason for that. Yeah. And wearing a balaclava with his three-piece suit. <laughs> you know, it's like, what? what, what uh, it makes no sense. I don't, yeah. No, I don't know. And you also have this, uh, well, you know who we didn't talk about? We didn't talk about Selena Kyle. Yeah. Also, also another. Who I think also kills it. Probably the highlight of the movie for me. She's, I, I, she's I love pretty her. good. You know, it's Anne Hathaway who is the, pretty much this generation's uh, Sandra Bullock. So you're yeah, always going to, she's going to be, that. she's going to give a pretty good performance in just sure. about everything she's in. Yeah. Yeah. So, except for the Oscars. Except for the, ah, uh, that's, that was more James Franco's fault. <laughs> Yeah, she looked more befuddled than that than anything else. Befuddled. But yeah, that's my. Was she for Klempt as well? <laughs> she, she was a little bit. She, she's befuddled. She was hornswoggled, <laughs> bamboozled. <laughs> we landed on Gotham say, Rock. Gotham Rock landed on us. People say befuddled, don't they? <laughs> Not in this decade. Oh well. Yeah, and she, you know she's got this. She has this whole plot of how she is trying to get her whole. Uh, record erased so she can yeah I don't she needs a magical jewel from Krypton <laughs> that I don't know it might as well have been that it, it, she needs a moon rock I, I don't know it, it was a magical thing that Ben Mendelsohn great character actor Ben Mendelsohn was supposed to give her yeah uh, this thing that exists which clearly can't exist yeah. But it does anyway. The Clean Slate Program? Yeah. You have the Clean Slate Program? Yeah. Yes, it's on this flash drive. <laughs> it's always on a flash drive. Uh, no one uses flash drives anymore. It's probably up on the cloud somewhere. You just got to access it with the proper passcode. Yeah. Flash drive. You get viruses that way. I got I got a torrent of it, <laughs> I got a torrent. actually. 
<laughs> Clean slate dot zip. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Clean dot slate dot XXX. I mean, clean underscore slate dot X dot <laughs> slate and uh, dot zip. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I'm going to put this on. All right. Download WinRare. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Click nope. Not at this time. Not at this <laughs> uh, Yeah, no. I, I, it, that was just a good... And I'm glad that that kind of went away for a little while. And then it. I think it comes back at the end because that's probably how she gets to kind of... Well, what what I liked is that she is not just like a side... Well, she's a side character, but her she has, a, she has an important part in the plot where she's kind of this bridge between... Mm-hmm. Bat- getting Batman to point A to point B. She's a really important part because then, yeah, she she also yeah she ties him initially sort of to Bane. Um, well, she she gets him out of the house of arc, right? She gets him to Bane, right? Uh, and then she kind of disappears for a little bit, yeah. and then she comes back at the end. You see her briefly bit. looking at stuff <laughs> disapprovingly, clucking her tongue. <laughs> That's not how I do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, she gives, she gives some orphans an apple. <laughs> yeah. I'm hungry, man. Can I have an apple, please? <laughs> and then some thugs are like, I want that apple. She's like, are you sure you want this apple? Yeah, I want that apple. And then she kicks him. Yeah, after Do- after Gotham turns into Dickensian <laughs> London. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Coal soot everywhere. <laughs> yeah, then... I, I like her arc. Yeah, she does have a very good arc in this movie. However, I think the person with the best arc in the movie is is Alfred. Hmm. I mean, his his arc is is like the soul of the movie mm-hmm. because he, he's trying to get you know Bruce. He's like, D- don't do this, Bruce. Don't don't. Uh, all right, all right. If you're gonna do it, yeah, at least do this. Uh, now, uh, all right. Well, we can fix this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He has this this whole arc about worrying about Bruce. He knows he's losing him. He knows he's the only way that he's going to stop being Batman is if he dies. Yeah, and he gives he gives these couple impassioned speeches, of course, which you're going to cut in from the previous podcast, <laughs> um, where you know he's like the best part of my day, Mister Wayne. <laughs> I'm not going to get into it because we'll, <laughs> we'll cut it in. But he he has this this these great speeches and 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 monologues telling telling bruce you know even when he goes into he's like rachel never wanted this for you you know rachel never wanted you as a person you know you you say that you're going to give this up for rachel but rachel was never going to give it you know never going to uh be never going to give you up never, never going to let, let you, you down, down. <laughs> and at the end of course he has the the whole thing of i failed you, you yeah know? I, I you know and he's like you don't know if you're saying that to, to bruce to his parents or to himself you know that's pretty much what he's saying yeah and it's, it's this great arc with that character, and you feel so bad for him because you know he's the only one that was looking out for the real intentions and the, for looking out for Bruce Wayne. Right. Yeah. And of course, you have all the other characters who are basically useless throughout this entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, my biggest regret with, I guess, or or, or the biggest disappointment that I have that that's not real, that's not this movie, but um, future movies um, that we'll never get to see is. I would watch a Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Batman movie. Nah. I would watch one as sort of a newer version of... Uh, I'd watch that. I like watching him. I, I like him usually and things Who that he's in. Who doesn't love the JGL? The man exactly. is a national treasure. I'd watch it. It doesn't need to be a continue. I mean, I guess it would be a continuation of this universe, but it doesn't need to specifically be... You know, Nolan doesn't, it doesn't have to have anything to do specifically with these movies. Just say, we were promised... 
Yeah, a, a Joseph Gordon-Levitt as I guess Robin Nightwing man. Yeah, uh, I would watch that. I I hate that. By the way, I I still hate. I'm not saying it's a great ending. Uh, I ha- <laughs> I'm I saying I enjoy that, watching him. That little that little Lord of the Rings style ending to this movie, where it just it's ending after ending after ending, yeah. but yeah. where they have Joseph Gordon-Levitt going to that to the the. Uh, the lawyer's office, and he's like, maybe it's under my real name, Robin. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's under my real name, real name Burt Ward. <laughs> that would have been better. That would have been really funny. I, I, you know, if you, if you said Dick Great, if you said if it was under my real name, you know, uh, Richard or Dick, you know, it would have been like, oh, that's kind of cool, you know? Like, yeah. I could have I dug that, you know? But yeah. he, the fact that his name is Robin... First of all, no one names their kid Robin, period. Well, uh, outside of Robin Williams, he's like the only one I could think of. And other than that... Robin Leach. <laughs> Lifestyles of the rich and famous. Today, we're talking about Bruce Wayne. <laughs> Gotham's millionaire playboy who hasn't been seen in eight years. The last time we heard from billionaire Bruce Wayne, he was kidnapping an entire ballet. <laughs> Also, he's Batman. <laughs> no, I'm not. Why? Does anybody remember that show? That was a ridiculous show. It was just the 1980s existed. version of Cribs. You know what? That's true. <laughs> it was nowhere near as entertaining. This is uh, this is my bedroom. This is where the magic happens. <laughs> my bedroom. That's Bruce Wayne on Cribs. Exactly. <laughs> this is Alfred. I What's come? down there? That's a Batcave. I mean... <laughs> All right, it's the back. Nothing. <laughs> Storage. <laughs> S- space heater. Bruce Wayne out. What? It's just the furnace <laughs> down there. It's, uh, it's a water heater. Alfred, I did it again. <laughs> Bring out the amnesia gas. Alfred, you gotta come pick me up. <laughs> Alfred, get the mag- am- get the ma- amnesia bullets. <laughs> what? <laughs> amnesia <laughs> bullets. <laughs> I don't know. You can't remember anything. <laughs> uh, I don't. It's like anyway. I would love to go into this movie and through the entire through thread, but we, you know, we we did that a lot in the in the last podcast. It's just, I think the there's just some things that we didn't go over on the on on that that I I just feel like we need to hit. One of them is is mm-hmm. the whole Talia Al Ghul thing because we didn't really get into that too much with her, like in her. Her whole plot is is that she is trying she's going to use this clean energy source as a bomb to destroy Gotham City, which in turn will destroy Batman Bruce Wayne. Right. She's trying to finish what Liam Neeson started yeah. in the first movie, destroy yeah. Gotham. Yeah. And the in only way, turn yeah. right. And in turn she's gonna take Batman out, which also avenges his death. So it's kind yeah. of a twofer well, yeah, that's the, she the, wants to get into. Well, I guess because the only way you could really could destroy Bat uh, Gotham is if Batman is out of the picture, and that's what she has to do. Yeah. So how does she do it? She has Bane go into the city and break Batman's bat and then puts him in a pit for some odd right. reason. She's like, Well, it's that pit. It's the it's there's yeah. sort of a poetry to that so, that I'm sure that she appreciates. So let me She's given this a lot of thought. So let me get this straight, Kevin. So the villain of this piece doesn't outright kill the hero. He puts she they put him in an elaborate trap and explain the entire plot to them. Well, you know what? I the, well, that's because they went in, yeah, installed 
cable. They did into I think it was satellite in the desert. It was satellite. Yeah, satellite would probably do pretty well in the desert. You got the sandstorms. Comcast would not lay line out to the desert. That's true. Probably satellite. So they get satellite out there, and they put the TV down there so that he can watch live streams of that. He probably also watches. You know, friends reruns. And stuff. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he probably. I don't know if they get Netflix or whatever, but he probably. Alfred, there's a channel. I've seen this one as one where Chandler gets a turkey on his head. I've seen this one a thousand times. Alfred, <laughs> Alfred, I think Cribs is on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's literally a Bond plot. Yeah, they have to. Right, they have to. He has to suffer watching the thing and knowing that there's nothing he can do about it. Mm. But what they didn't count on was the back healing magic of rope. Of rope. (laughs) Oh! ah. It's like rolling on cans to help your back. You know, it's like some, like, weird, like... (laughs) Right. So chiropractor... It's all nonsense. (laughs) Chiropractor nonsense, anyway. Some blind chiropractor who's down in the pit with him. He's That's like, why he's down there, yeah. by the way, for being a chiropractor. It's illegal in the whatever made-up country that is. Uzbekistan, yeah. Tajikistan, I don't know, whichever one. Those are in. all real. No, yeah. it's, it's Kyrgyzstan. One of the made-up ones. Yeah. <laughs> Islamistan. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Arabistan. Arabistan. That's what I called it's, it. It's Arabistan. Always, yep. Yeah. Yeah, and that. of course, you know, Batman's able to, A, heal his back, which is impossible. It's possible. It's just, you know, it takes a really long time. Well, it He takes, didn't really break his back. He just slipped a disc, how long apparently. Does it, how long does it take? They say how long it takes. The, Do they, the, the, because the bomb has... Oh, it's like five or six months. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a terribly long time. Yeah. So, it's, I mean... Anyway. I mean, he's, he's, got a couple, he's got a couple months <laughs> to, hang, to get up and get his back straightened. Yeah. And then he's able to climb out of the pit, not once... Not trice, not thrice, not force, but fifths times. <laughs> it's like it keeps happening over and over and over because your favorite part happens with, then. Where the bats come out. The bats, the bats, come, bats out. come out of the wall. Symbolism! Bats. <laughs> oh. it, it, I mean, it's a fun scene. Yeah. It's just, once again, it's like this movie. That- it's like, it's the, right. I mean, and again, we, when we talk about the parallels, there's... And and I like that that Nolan he he mentions it. They actually show it when he's down there. He's remembering, you know, his father coming down in the well in yeah. the first very like one of the first scenes of the very first movie. Um, I I I like that. I mean, mm-hmm. I get that. He that's your sort of partly one of your your bookends of you know that 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 symmetry there that works. Um, and he doesn't hammer at home he doesn't he doesn't sit there and then go like when i was a kid i fell into a well and then there were bats and then that's why i do the batman thing like he, <laughs> he may have explained that to them but we didn't see it on camera so thankfully we didn't have to hear it uh um, <laughs> you see you see the the the, the character yes mr wayne yes we we've heard it before i understand that the batman is fine it's fine you we try it again Criminals are a cowardly and superstitious lot. We understand. We understand. <laughs> he has to learn. It's it is it works in a in a in a pretty good sense. That part's satisfying of of Bruce Wayne learning early on in, in the first movie, you know, learning how not to, how to face his own fears, how not to be afraid. And then in the second one, he's, you know, gotta learn to kind of walk away from this thing. He's gotta learn to just 
give that up and then now it's he's he's learned it almost too well um and he has to get back into it and he has to come to once again sort of fear death and reckon with death yeah Uh, and that's sort of his arc and then that brings him to that point where then now it's okay he can go do this thing and and save the day um i don't know that it's Totally works, but I see what's happening. I, I get it. I, it. That works for me in a sense. Um, there are lots of other dangly threads that are not tied <laughs> Dangly, at all. dangly, dangly threads. Um, anywhere. Uh, because now that Rachel's dead, that's just kind of like, okay, there was nothing there. We don't yeah. worry about that. The Harvey Dent thing. Okay, well, our bad. Uh, <laughs> I guess we shouldn't have done that, but... We did. Oh, well. Uh, Nobody learns anything there. Uh, So much. So much. And there's there's like this. And of course, we haven't even talked about like the weird uh, uh, Wall Street, uh, Occupy Wall Street section where, you know, Bane is the, the in order to destabilize Gotham, like they do it in two ways. One is with the bomb. They use the bomb to pretty much hold the city hostage and then let. Everyone run the city. Let let the let the citizens run the city. And he's it's like the Joker, where the you know the Joker's saying at the end of Dark Knight, you know, people are going to blow each other up, and they turn out not to. They they choose not to. They, here they do the same thing, and it's the exact opposite message of what they show in the last movie, yeah. where people end up you know right. shooting each other and, That's and a good point. running yeah. the street. And it, but it also has my favorite. <laughs> Ah, Batman, you come back to your city to die. No, I came here to beat you. <laughs> oh, it's such a bad line. <laughs> such a bad line. Oh, well. Okay. My bad then. I Let's guess do we'll this. punch each other. <laughs> yeah. You know, Don't no. punch me in the face mask. Yeah. It's, <laughs> he learns that Bane's main weakness is getting punched in the face. <laughs> 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 Unlike everyone else's <laughs> weakness. And then and then at the very end, he doesn't even beat Bane. You know who beats Bane? A giant gun. <laughs> That's right. He gets shot with a motorcycle. Like, with a motorcycle gun. Like, what's going on? After yeah. after Marion Cotillard turns into the scarecrow and is driving the ma- the truck like da 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 like <laughs> like three foot tall Marion Cotillard, this tiny oh. French woman, is behind the wheel of the semi truck and she looks like the woman from from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, they, you know, like where they're playing like da 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 you know they're playing that that song. Um, yeah, uh, I, that and then she's like driving like with the truck like ha ha I'm gonna drive this truck. <laughs> And then she dies. She has, and and this is so baffling to me <laughs> that she is. I mean, she's a great actress. I love her. I love. I love her in so many movies. I even like like Inception, even without getting into some of like the artsy stuff. But like even Inception with Nolan, like she's amazing in that movie. I yeah. love watching her in that movie. She has one of the worst <laughs> death scenes. I've just watched that scene again where she dies because it's literally like oh, yeah. she's laying there and then she's like. S- explaining like your plan won't work because I tricked you and did a thing, and then she just is like, and then, like closes her eyes and jerks her head, and it's like, how was that the best take? Well, did you? I, I know you've seen La Vie en Rose. Her death scene in La Vie en Rose is not much better. Apparently, that's just the one thing she cannot nail. That's how French people die, though. Don't you know that? <laughs> no, maybe it reminds me uh. of. It, it reminded me of like it was the flip side of one of my favorite. 
uh, movie deaths of all time, uh, Paul Rubens in the original uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, yeah. Where he never actually dies, and he just keeps going, ooh, ah, and then it's like, in the, in the post credit scene, he's still dying. It was like that, only we were supposed to take it seriously. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and that and that's the end of the movie is... It's the ni- end of the 1966 Batman movie where it, you can never get rid of a bomb. It's like it's, you know... Right, just running around with, with the, the bomb. bomb. <laughs> oh, my God. And, you know, there's there's some clever things in there. Like, originally when we, we did the last podcast, we talked uh, at length about the fact of the autopilot, you know, not, yeah. you know... Every five seconds, they reference the autopilot, and it actually works in the movie when you I, when I rewatch it. I'm like, they are hinting at the fact that the autopilot is not going to work. Right? They want you, know? you to remember. They want you to remember that whole thing, and that it will work, and that haha, just kidding. Yeah, but which is what's silly is that they show him in the thing, and then they show the bomb, and it's like three seconds. Yeah, and then they cut away, and then it explodes. It's like he got out in three seconds. Yeah. He's Batman. Yeah. What can I say? But, and that's and that's the thing that that you know and I, we talked about this at length too is that the ending of the movie is a great disservice to Batman. You know, I have a lot of issues with Batman movies, and we've talked about it on this podcast before. I don't like when Batman uses guns. I mm-hmm. don't like when Batman falls in love. I don't think Batman is capable of falling in love. I think the only thing that Batman loves is justice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but for him to not only kill Batman. But to then go off with uh, Selena Kyle to Italy and start over again, that's yeah. just such a disservice to the character. It, it was very silly. It, and you, the, you're you supposed to understand that this character loves nothing more than protecting Gotham, making Gotham safe, and he could just give that all up is ridiculous. The point that they wanted to make with regard to that he comes to the understanding that he, he kind of finishes his thought initially that, you know, Batman is a symbol. Yeah. It's not me. It's not Bruce Wayne. It's Batman's a symbol. And then he goes, oh, that means anybody could be Batman. It doesn't even have to be me. <laughs> so, right. For him to just be like, well, then that means, you know, Bruce Wayne out. Yeah. I'm gonna go get laid in Europe all day long yeah. with Anne Hathaway and see you later. Which, to be fair... I would give up everything for this. <laughs> but, I mean... I'm a can, happily married man with a wife and child. There's nothing... I would give that up to go to Europe with Anne Hathaway. Sh- sure. Uh, <laughs> to be a millionaire in Europe with Anne Hathaway, Kevin. Sure. I, you I, would... I, I, don't have a, I don't have a problem with him coming to that decision <laughs> yeah. as a human being. But he's not uh, a human being. He's Batman. Right. I have a decision... I have a problem with the character coming to that decision because you can yeah. still have that exact same ending with... The same point, anyone could be Batman, I leave you, Robin, all of my Batman shit, Yeah. Uh, go be Batman now, um, with him exploded yeah, by and, a bomb over the ocean. No, and you're, You could still have the exact same ending without the... <laughs> what did I say? I think, I think I said it on the podcast, where then at the end, like, at the very end, he Alfred sees him and he's like, oh, you <laughs> scoundrel, you're still alive. And like... Bruce Wayne is like, hey, and he like lifts the drink and he's like, I'm actually alive. And then he like jumps up on the table and he pulls out wait, an electric guitar wait, and he wait. does like a wicked solo and then he just like farts. <laughs> and that's the ending of the movie. The exact line is, and you could put this in there, is that <laughs> Alfred smiles, does a spit take as Bruce Wayne jumps at the table, does an electric guitar solo, lifts his leg and farts. That's yes. your exact line. <laughs> okay, well, yeah. I remembered the gist of it. Cause, cause my, I remember the key yeah. beats. 
Yeah, because it's just like, and as I say, there's so many like tagged on endings to this movie that you're just like, oh my god, oh god, and then it's the like part, Return of the King. I was gonna say, then the part where Sam has to then come back, and then everybody has to go onto the boat, and then they're gonna go <laughs> to the Silver Shores, and then and just, Magic Carpet Ride starts playing. <laughs> <laughs> that's how that's how bad this movie should have ended. Yeah. It should have ended with with Bruce Wayne raising the glass, and it's <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Why don't you come with me, little girl? On as the bat, as the bat plane flies over the moon to show the bat symbol, right? Know? And then just freeze frame yeah. on it. If only yeah. this movie came out in the like late eighties. <laughs> oh, we already seen what a Batman movie in the late eighties. John looks like. Hughes. <laughs> No, like, yeah, a little, just like a raunchy teen comedy of Batman. <laughs> Where Ronnie Dangerfield plays Alfred? Bat University, or whatever it'd be called, <laughs> you know? It would be like a, a college oh, raunchy comedy. Oh, Mr. Wayne, I failed you, Mr. Wayne. You're alive? All right, everybody, we're getting laid! <laughs> you know? Like, that's how it ends. With Ronnie Dangerfield doing that mug for the camera. <laughs> By the way, we're not recasting the movie with Rodney Dangerfield as Alfred. As great of a cast as that would be. Yeah. You know? Oh, my God. <laughs> but, yeah. So, I mean, there there are some glimmers of of, of greatness in this movie. I, I will actually say it. And we could we we have our thoughts usually at the sort yeah, of toward the end, end of the podcast. Yeah. But um, of what, what grade we'll give it. But I will say that I actually I'm, I was I was a little bit warmer to this movie now seeing it again than I was in the theater. When I, when I left it in the theater, I was just like. I just sat through three hours of complete and utter nonsense. And seeing it again and kind of watching all three and talking about them the way that we've been doing here was beneficial um, because it did help me kind of see some of those things. And um, there was probably a little bit more that I liked than I didn't like. Um, That's not exactly a glowing endorsement of the movie, but I didn't hate it. Yeah, well, well, I'll go into my feelings at the end over there. Uh, is there anything else that we sh- we should really like hit? I know, I know, we're gonna. Inter- you, you said you wanted to intersplice a lot of the stuff that we talked about well, in the previous one. Yeah. yeah, we'll see how that that goes. We'll, we'll, if nothing else, maybe we'll just tack on some some silly interludes at, at maybe at the end. Um, stuff from that podcast. If you if you if you hadn't heard it the first time, maybe we'll we'll, we'll cherry pick some of our favorite stuff. And, oh yeah, for sure. And and put it at the end. You don't fear that. You welcome it. Your punishment must be more severe. Torture. Yeah. But not of your body. Of your soul. Where am I? Home. Where I learned the truth about despair. As will you. There's a reason why this prison is the worst hell on earth. Hope. Every man who has rotted here over the centuries has looked up to the light and imagined climbing to freedom. So easy. So simple. And like shipwrecked men turning to seawater from uncontrollable thirst. Many have died trying. All right, so uh, I'm bringing up some production notes um, on this movie, some stuff that we didn't talk about before. So one of the things that a, a big urban legend is is that this movie was going to star 
once again, going to have the Joker in it. It was going to be a very Joker-heavy movie. Uh, however, it is worth noting that Nolan really didn't even turn in the, uh, start the script until 2008, and that was after Heath Ledger had died. So mm. that, that of course, is an urban legend. He, he could have been thinking in his head, yes, oh, I want to do this, and I want to do that. But no, um, actually, the studio pushed really heavily to have the Riddler put into this movie. Mm. Um, you know, as we all know, Mr. Reese was in the previous movie. But they did. They go. They talk about having Leonardo DiCaprio in the movie, which you know he worked. He worked with Nolan during uh, mm-hmm. Inception, so yep. that could have very well be the Riddler's dumb. Why would you have the Riddler as the main character? <laughs> Seriously, like the the Riddler. Yeah, it's like ooh, I come up with questions. Yeah, it's not tonally accurate. No, exactly. Uh, yes, uh, Christopher Nolan said that he he was he he was committed to using Bane. Uh, he said he was unfamiliar with the character's backstory, but pointed out an appeal of an archetype labeled as the extreme type of villainy. It's very obviously he, obvious he was not familiar with his backstory at all, <laughs> right. because he cast Tom Hardy as Bane. Yeah. Uh, it borrowed heavily from the 1999 story arc No Man's Land, which involved Gotham getting hit by an earthquake, uh, separating itself off from the rest of the United States being declared a no man's land. No one was yeah. no one was allowed to live there, and the people who were living there were technically doing so illegally. So Batman had to go and relearn Gotham, and you know all that stuff. Hmm. Uh, by the way, this movie on Rotten Tomatoes has an eighty-seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes, you with know, a rating average of an eight <clears throat> out of ten. Well, and that doesn't really surprise me because Rotten Tomatoes is, you it's, know, in terms of an thing. aggregate, it's, I, I do think that most people are generally like, they're going to say like, it's favorable. Like, they're not going to say this is a bad movie because I wouldn't really say it's a bad movie. I mean, there's a lot going on in it and there's a lot that doesn't work, but I think overall it's a, it works as a movie. It's just, it's not a great movie. Yeah. Um, that does seem absurdly high though. Yeah, eighty. I, I, I was like, I was like, I'm glad you tagged that on the end because I was like, eighty-seven percent is really high. But I'm not surprised that it's favorable. I'm just, yeah, I'm a little. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, favorable. I, 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 I'll get into that a little well, bit later. When I was talking <laughs> yeah. about when I saw Interstellar, I, I and I was and I was writing some thoughts um, about that. Uh, I said I, I referenced this movie and I said uh, at that my uh, that it was. Uh, a movie that I was pretty sure that no one actually liked, but nevertheless feels obligated to defend. And I still feel that way. And I, I don't think I feel obligated to defend it, although I kind of am uh, def- <laughs> defending it, not obligated. Um, but I feel like a lot of other people are. I feel like a lot of other, a lot of other people really liked the first two, especially the second one. And they're just like, yeah, but... You know, yeah, you see Babbitt, oh, and it was really long, and it ended with a nuclear explosion. Like, that doesn't mean it was, it was good, good, though. Exactly. It doesn't. It just means stuff happened. Well, and that's that's kind of like this 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 podcast, not this specific episode, but this podcast as a whole, it's like a lot of people go in and leave these movies and go, oh, that was a fun movie. I got to see Thor hitting people with a hammer. Right. No, no, it's not a good movie. <laughs> like, you could look at, like... The the point of this podcast, and I, you know, it's it's that we shouldn't hold comic books to a comic book movies to a lower standard just because they're enjoyable fluff. You can have a comic book movie that is a good movie, and it's still and so that so you don't have to just ignore it and ignore the bad stuff just because you can hold these movies to a high standard, right? And not be like, well, it was okay for a comic book movie, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. 
And the Nolan movies in, in general should be looked at with a more critical eye because he is a very good director. And as I always say, I'll say with these movies all the time, these movies are beautifully directed. Mm-hmm. The writing is the problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. The, they're, they're beautifully directed. All of the acting is very good in them, except mm-hmm. for Marion Cotillard's death. <laughs> 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 well, actually, that would have been really impressive acting. <laughs> she could have just voided her vowels on command. All right, so uh, let's do our fantasy recast. Yeah. Um, I failed to mention this at the end of the last podcast because I, I, I want to start mentioning it so that the people can can play along. Yeah. Uh, so we, we we decided to do a, 19, a mid-90s Quentin Tarantino movie. So you could say 94, 95. Okay. Um, you know, it's right, right about the time he would do Jackie Brown, I would say. I think it's like Jackie did Jackie Brown in like 95, 96. Uh, mm. So... The, so the let's let's put it in like I a ninety seven, but that's okay. Let's put this in a historical context. Uh, Quentin Tarantino is asked to direct a third Batman movie. Uh, Batman Returns comes out in nineteen ninety two. Uh, he's asked to direct the third one. This is his movie. It's Dark Knight Rises is going to be the third Batman movie. All right. After Tim Burton drops out, so uh, let's start off the bat. Right off the bat, <laughs> who's your Batman? My Batman, I, my I, Bruce Wayne. Wait, Batman. Hold, hold on, we're gonna have a lot that are similar. I, I maybe, maybe. I, I, I like to think so. So one of the things that I did is, um, I and I think I mentioned this to you, and I don't know if you did. I opened it up to movies that he wrote. I did too. Um, just because I had to. I, I, I had to. Otherwise, it was gonna be like Tim Roth as Batman, and I just I didn't want that. <laughs> so, as <laughs> uh, interesting as that could have been, um. My Bruce Wayne slash Batman is Bruce Willis. <laughs> I thought you were going to yell at me for doing Bruce Willis. <laughs> I actually I did not put Bruce Willis just because of the fact that you would yell at me for putting Bruce no. Willis in every one of my movies. I put him in. Um, Alfred, what are we going to do? I really wanted Bruce Willis as a different character, yeah. but I had a different idea. I went in a different direction with that character, so... Mm-hmm. My yeah, my Batman, my Bruce Wayne. This is the first one with him, and I like it because this is he the first time play we, him. Yeah, we've ever a little cast. bit grizzled, I suppose. He can play him where he's been Batman for a while, and we can see him. He looks like he's ta- Rachel's dead. Gonna retire as Batman. This is gonna work out. <laughs> he always looks like he's taking a beating. <laughs> he just looks he's tired. gonna have that like cut on his nose. Yeah, you know, just through the whole movie. <laughs> Master yeah. Wayne, why, why? How'd you get that cut? Uh, I don't know. I just always had it. I got to punch in the face. Why not? I'm Batman. I'm Gotham's punching bag. Why not? <laughs> um. So, so my Batman is Michael Keaton. <laughs> hey, there you go. Sure. I figure he was in Jackie Brown. He was in Jackie Brown. Yeah. Why not? This is going to be the third movie in the series. Okay. Tarantino is a great director. Already proved himself on a bunch of movies. I think that Keaton would return for. Yeah, uh, for Quentin Tarantino, why not? It would be a the similar Batman, but just written differently. Mm-hmm. I think it could work, and of course, it, it would fit the flow of the first two movies. 
All right. I didn't think of this movie as a sequel, that that it would have been a sequel to those other two movies, um, uh, you know, I, mostly because yeah. those were, sl- well, they, yeah, because they were done in different decades, and so I didn't really think of it was like that timeline where we were pretending yeah. that those existed. Um, but sure, yeah, that works. <laughs> I just thought it'd be, I thought it was fun, and it worked out because the timeline would have worked out, and it's like, it, it just would have fit yeah. perfectly in there. Well, Michael Keaton may come up on my list oh we'll fun so. well uh, we got your uh, commissioner gordon next let's do let's do gordon <clears throat> my jim gordon uh i would You're... not cast harvey keitel out of spite for the last episode <sighs> uh just because i i i won't because of because <laughs> of because of how you acted i'm sorry uh so i went with the aforementioned tim roth Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little younger. Little He's younger. A little younger, but I think uh, you know he, he'll grow his mustache out. He'll do it. He'll be good. <laughs> oh, Gordon, why are you suddenly British? <laughs> it's like it's like when that when that thug shoots Gordon, he just <laughs> goes in the water. <laughs> oh, she, he killed me. Oh, he killed me, Bruce Wayne. <laughs> How do you know I'm Bruce Wayne? <laughs> That's my go-to Tim Roth is the exasperated, high-pitched voice. And, from a, and so you've cast Gordon as, as Harvey Keitel. As Harvey Keitel. <laughs> I know you did. Is he's the you wolf. You yeah. gotta, you, I know. Worked with Tarantino on a couple of movies. A couple of movies. Yeah. All right. Um, so not getting away from that. Here's an interesting one. Uh, I would, a Bane. Who'd you put as your Bane? Now, I originally really wanted Bruce Willis as my Bane. Yeah. That seemed like an obvious one. Um, I thought it was really cool, but I couldn't come up with another really good Batman. So I, I, that's how I ended up switching that. And after giving it a lot of thought, I said, you know what? Screw it. I'd watch this movie. You'd watch this movie. Who wouldn't watch this movie? My Bane is Samuel L. Jackson. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I could, I could see that. Yeah. It's it's interesting watch casting. Watch the hell out of that movie. Yeah. No. Yeah. You're right. Because I, I, it would be. You know, I just watched Kingsman: The Secret Service. Yeah. Uh, with him as the bad guy, which is a, a <laughs> terrible, <laughs> ter terrible choices he made in that movie. Oh. But he's still very enjoyable to watch as yeah. a bad guy. It's a goofy, goofy movie. I, I enjoyed it. It's quite really a bit. fun. Very, very silly. Very fun. And uh, but uh, you know, you could also <laughs> think back to him playing Mr. Glass in Unbreakable, mm-hmm. which, opposite Bruce Willis, yeah. is actually a really good villain. He, he yeah. can play a villain. He just never does it that often. Uh, and I will post... I was discussing this with a, a, a friend of mine um, who uh, I will post a, a quickie, quick and dirty Photoshop he did. Uh, I will post on either our Facebook page or, or on, our, on, on our website um, of Samuel Jackson in... Pulp Fiction with the mask, with the, with the mask, mask. On, yeah. it's, it's pretty epic. So, yeah, I, I, he could the voice. I mean, like he would he would end up sounding like he does in Kingsman Secret Service a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's got that weird lisp, and I'm just like, yeah. Hopefully, he wouldn't do any weird stylists, you know, like, like weird like acting Hardy choices. Does, yeah. yeah, Hopefully, he wouldn't do that, but maybe he would. I don't know. Um, I had a double one for this one. I ended up going with Michael Madsen as my bane. Yeah. Um, the other one was Tom Sizemore. Okay, yeah. I could see either one of those. Yeah. Madsen's a good choice, but I like Madsen. Madsen's got a little bit more. He's a little bit more vicious, good like villain. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's he looks like he could beat the crap out of out of Batman. Still, like yeah, like he's physically intimidating. That's why I ended up going with with uh, Michael Madsen. And I like Madsen. He's he's yeah. he's a very underrated actor. 
what about your uh, your Blake? I have a feeling we're gonna we're gonna duel on this one. Uh, maybe I ended up going with uh, Eric Stoltz. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Shows I was up in Pulp Fiction. I went with Leo. Who is he? Uh, who is he? What did he do with Tarantino in the... Oh, you just... You went into the 2000s, the 2010s, I guess? Yeah. Okay. I was trying to think of, like, what did he do in the 90s? And I started to say, Jack, that was Brad Pitt in Jackie Brown, which also could have worked. No, Brad Pitt was in uh, True Romance. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, Yeah, I was thinking of the same, the right character, but I Mm -hmm. said the wrong movie. Yeah. I I know what you were talking about. Yeah. I was thinking, like, Christian Slater, but I was like, it's 95, 96. It's a little late for Christian Slater. But yeah, Eric Stoltz... Really good choice. Yeah. Eric Stoltz, he's just, he always gets so screwed in, in like, Hollywood. Like, he just, like, he, he loses only out. He, I feel like he, he missed a, an opportunity. If only he had a time machine. <laughs> That's a joke some people will get. <laughs> the sad trombone starts playing the Back to the Future theme. <laughs> Um, who do I have next? Yeah, I ended up going with Leo. You know, he it was before uh, Titanic. Yeah. Still young. I think he could have pulled it off. Yeah. He, he see like, you know, they always talk about, like, the Robin character and, like, the, the aborted Robin plots from from the Tim Burton movies. And they would always get someone, like, weird name, like Macaulay Culkin or... Oh, yeah. I remember I think, that. I think Damon Waynes was actually even floated. Or Marlon Waynes. One of the Waynes brothers was floated <laughs> for that. Okay. Who'd you put for your Selena Kyle? Now, my Selena Kyle is probably not who your Selena Kyle is, because I originally had a really obvious choice, um, but I decided to use her elsewhere. Um, so my Selena Kyle is Juliette Lewis. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. She, uh, uh, she, she's always freaks me out not a little bit. Not an Arquette, yeah. as I know. That <laughs> okay, I you're like, not a fan not of the Arquette, so I thought I'd spare you, Patricia Arquette. Yeah. And Juliette Lewis was in Dust Till Dawn. She was in Dust Till Dawn, and she was also in uh, something Natural else. Born Killers. Natural, yes. Yeah. She was in a couple that he, he wrote yeah. but didn't direct. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. I went with a, with a little bit of a sexier approach. I went with Salma Hayek from Dust Till Dawn. Oh, okay. That yeah. isn't who I thought you were going to go with. But no. Okay. No, because we're going to... Maybe we put her in the same, same place. We did. Okay. We did. All right. Fair enough. Yeah, because you're... Your you're, uh, you're, you're Talia Yeah, my Talia is, is, is Uma, Uma Thurman. Thurman. Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> I mean, that was the Come first on, one I wrote down. Actually, no. I, the next, uh, another one is the first one I shut. I, I wrote down. She was the. Um, I think the next one I wrote down, and then I was like, you know what? I, as much as I'd like to see it, I think she'd be better as turns out to be the villain. And yeah. I was like, yeah, I want to see that. That reveal. Yeah, you can always go with what's her face from from Pulp Fiction. I can never remember her name. The girl who plays the French girl. The French pregnant girl, Bruce Willis's oh, girlfriend. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't but, know her yeah, name, but yeah. yep, she never does anything really. No. Yeah, she did a lot of foreign, fil- a lot of French films, of course, sure. or, or French Canadian films. I don't really know. <laughs> so who'd you put as your uh, Lucius Fox? My Lucius Fox, despite you, is Harvey Keitel. <laughs> <laughs> Just to spite me. Hey, uh, hey, Bruce. Hey, look at this. Look at that. Look at that up there. What is what is that, Lucius? Hey, it's uh, it's a, like a plane, like a fucking like a spaceship. You flying around? Look like a bat, right? No, really. No, no. Look at it. Look at it. Black. Looks like a bat. <laughs> Doesn't look right. like a bat at all. <laughs> look, you want it or not? <laughs> you what you're supposed to say is. No, what you are supposed to say is, thank you, Mr. Fox. Thank, thank you. you for this plane thank that you, you gave me. <laughs> you come in here. Yeah. 
You tell me you don't want any of this stuff anymore. What am I supposed to do with this stuff? You don't want it. <laughs> um, my Lucius Fox, of course, is Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> I said, fix the goddamn <laughs> autopilot. <laughs> That's, I mean, pretty much just. Yeah, it's all you want to see. Yeah, with him getting like, like, I bet one of the bits that I really enjoyed from the last one is Sam is a uh, uh, Morgan Freeman saying "hubba bubba." Over, <laughs> I don't know why, <laughs> right? But uh, I, I would like to see Morgan Freeman and uh, yeah. uh, see Samuel L. Jackson saying "hubba bubba" would be pretty funny. And finally, we have our Alfred. Who would you put as Alfie? My Alfred. I would uh, like to see if we came up with the same one on this one. This is one. the hardest one it for me to really cast. It was really hard. Because he doesn't have a lot of really older, kind of that caliber sort of actor that he's really worked with. So I went with someone who be a little bit of a different choice, but a uh, different approach. Master Wayne. That's who I went with! <laughs> I went with Christopher Walken, too! You know... <laughs> The best part of my day. <laughs> you do a better walk-in than I do. And so, Rachel, she give me the note. <laughs> <laughs> and it says she wants nothing to do with you. I don't know. My walk I've lost no, my walk-in over lost years. it a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, I always have, I, this um, is my, my go-to for doing the walk-in is, is the watch speech from Pulp Fiction, where he goes, hey, give me the watch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a great line. Great delivery. Um, I actually have a couple more just because... Um, you love adding the extra people. I, adding well, the extra normally stuff Normally, I won't. I think this is actually my first time casting a fox, because I just I, I always just kind of forget, or we go with directors who are, have, like, weird, you know, racist streaks, but... <laughs> Um, I cast a scarecrow, yeah, just so that Quentin Tarantino can be the scarecrow. Because I really want to see that he put himself in a key role, but it wouldn't be, you know, he wouldn't cast himself as like Bane. You no. know, he'd cast himself in like the a, cameo, a sort of a tertiary almost character who's just kind of in there. Like, look, do you want do you want exile? Do you want death? He'd say the n word a couple of times. It'd be really jarring. <laughs> Because no one else would say anything like that in the movie, and everyone would get really uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. I, and I was originally, when you said that you had cast the Scarecrow... Crane, like, what have I told you about <laughs> saying that word? I would have I would have said Tim Roth for that, but now that you say Tarantino, yeah. no, that's a way better pick. <laughs> I, would, I'll, I will concede to Tarantino on that one. And I wanted... I did want... Once I remembered and realized that Michael Keaton was fair game... Um, because of him showing up in Jackie Brown, I I wanted uh, to put him in this movie, so I put him as the um. Ba- basically, I just figured he would play one of the villains, like that Ben Mendelsohn character, or like one of the the other guy at the end who who falls through the ice. Like <laughs> you kind of you want to have Michael Keaton in there as like a villain, just because he would have fun with that. No, idea. You know, he'd be great as he'd be great as the chiropractor in the pit. Yeah, yeah, like like yeah. like manic Michael Keaton. Like, yeah, that'd be a really great idea. Yeah, let's do this. Yeah, let's, let's, right. We'll take the rope. We'll put it around your waist, and we'll lift you up. It'd be great.
right. So what's what's our top three for the day? Uh, our top three, uh, because of the kind of instrumental way that Gotham is such a a, a key thing a key almost a character in this trilogy in this movie in particular i mean so much centers around that idea uh we're talking today about our top three fictional movie cities yay yeah okay so i I go first right (laughs) i think it's an interesting topic i I think it's interesting to say well i initially thought it was going to be i wanted i was going to do something with like um like part threes or conclusions and it's just like ah, oh, there's so many that are bad it's like there would all there there of course be a lot there's, of overlap it's there's literally like two good third <laughs> movies out right. there and it's just what can you really do and one of them is back to the future part three so yeah that's what are you gonna do so uh well, went with this that, uh, but... direction yeah go first well three. i shouldn't have said that because my number three is hill valley <laughs> <laughs> okay all right uh which Hill Valley? Oh, it, that's the thing. It's Hill Valley because it exists at all oh, these okay. different time periods. Right. And that's what makes it fun is all the right. fact that all the parallels... You know, I talked about this with Biff Tan in the last podcast is that it's it's so funny, the, the parallels from each time period that Hill Valley exists. Yeah. Like Hill Valley 1985 is, so, is similar to 2015, which is similar to the 1885. Yeah. You get a lot of fun stuff that goes on with there. And it's the, the cast of characters that will always exist in Hill Valley. The fact that there's always a manure truck for some odd reason. Sure. Yeah, you know, it's those little those little jokes, those weird little parallels. My uh, my number three is specifically Future Hill Valley. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, I guess I could have opened it up and and, and, and that would be fine. But in terms of like what I really think is you're not thinking third dimensionally, Kevin. That's very fourth dimensional. Damn it. I screwed up. Yeah, that's okay. Um, Yeah, I, I especially love in the future one where you get all of those great gags call back to um the 1985 where with the video game but now it's dumb and yeah. you know weird reagan and the ayatollah are trying are arguing over which soda to give you it's just it's such a great series of jokes that no one gets anymore well it's and that's that's kind of the funny thing is and you know i'll talk about it right now because i'll never get a chance to talk about this on a podcast is the fact <laughs> that i love the fact that science fiction the version of the future always is reflective of the time period in which the movie was made. So the fact that the future that as they saw it in 2015 is based so heavily off the 1980s when they yeah. real when they failed to realize that everything was going to be based off 90s nostalgia. Yeah. So right. <laughs> yeah. So you have like all the fun stuff like jaws, what is it? Jaws but 9. But see how could they have possibly anticipated like Furbies and Pokemon, you know. Oh, I mean, yeah. how could they possibly have gotten that? Yeah, exactly. You get all, but yeah, you do have the like, idea that we would still be talking about the Ayatollah, is <laughs> ju- you know, and no, that, you must take the special, <laughs> and that they would make a, an Ayatollah hologram at a restaurant. Like, yeah. although to be fair, I I would like to see that now. And also to be fair, there's a lot of people nowadays who still really like Ronald Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. All right, you're so number two. My number two is the city of Castle Rock, Maine. Ooh. Yeah. I don't know what that is. From the, all the Stephen King movies take place in Castle oh, Rock. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. so uh, Needful Things. Got it. That's uh, kind of yeah. what I figured it was a reference to that, but I was thinking of like... Because he's got a few that are like he's got like Salem's Lot is a place or it's yeah. like a well Salem's, suburb Salem's there. yeah Salem's Lot is is close to Castle Rock you know yeah it's like the, that that main the main of of mm-hmm. Stephen King the Mist and yeah. all of that stuff is all up there and it's it's fun I like I like the fact that Stephen King has a shared Marvel esque universe that you know that the people don't necessarily know it's just hinted yeah. at it's. 
there's like glimpses of it. The fact that what's her face? Um, why can't Carrie. I remember her name from? Uh, no, not Carrie. Oh. Um, Molly she... Ringwald's character from The Stand. Oh, yeah. I don't. Remember She's her up name. in Maine at the, yeah. at the start of the movie. I love that, and mm-hmm. the fact that uh, that there's there's all these little hints in there. And it's all connected. I thought you. I said Carrie because I think Carrie is one of those characters that. Um, the incident, the, the 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 stuff that takes place in Carrie gets referenced, I think, in another book at some point, which is one of the first sort of moments when everybody goes like, "Oh, Ooh, like there's yeah. a shared universe here," and that's yeah. one of the examples they go to. Yeah. Which your uh, number two? My number two might be a little bit of a cheat um, because Probably it's is. primarily known. Um, it is a city, for a fictional city from a movie, but it is primarily known as a fictional city from a TV show. First and foremost, known as a fictional city from a TV show, but it counts because there was a movie in 2007 called The Simpsons Movie. Oh, <laughs> so I'm going with Springfield. Boo! What? Don't you boo me with all of your Simpsons references? <laughs> You're saying boo, Ernst. I know you are deep down. Hired goons. Uh, I mean, you, I, it has to, I, it has to for me. I mean, that's one of those that like, if we're talking about what you look for in a fictional city for something to be that sort of fully realized and everything that goes on there, that, that elastic reality that they have there that, that lets them tell the dumbest stories. I was elected to lead, not to read. <laughs> that's, and I will agree with you. I love, I love Springfield, but that was one of the biggest flaws in the, in the 2007 Simpsons movie was the fact that you had this giant town to play with. And the fact that a third of the movie takes place in Alaska. Oh yeah. It was, oh, it's not a very good movie. No, but not at all. <laughs> I will. I will allow it because it because <laughs> is my list. Yeah, I was gonna say because it's my because game. I can and I can. <laughs> uh, so my number one, yeah, is the city of Moss Eisley Spaceport. Oh. You'll never find a, mo- a bigger hive of a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. There you go. Yeah. Uh, of course. Just ragging on the Star Wars I, all year long. I still, you know, going back and you watch the original one, when he goes to Moss Eisley, it's so interesting. And especially if you look at it in that point of view of the fact that no one had ever seen anything like that when that movie came out. And it still holds up to this day. It's a living, breathing city with interesting people walking around it. Uh, great band playing in the background. <laughs> It's like, all right, we're going to take requests. Who wants to hear? Play that doot doot song again. Okay, let's do And, you know, it, it's just fantastic. Just filled look. with puppets. Yeah, I love it. Fantastic looking. Yeah. Yeah, so that that's my number one is Moss Eisley. That's, I looked at a lot of Star Wars. I, I you know, in its rewatching all the Star Wars movies. I uh, still got one left. I've still got to watch Jedi. Uh, much, much to my chagrin, because you keep texting me every time. You, you don't have to watch them. <laughs> no, no, you, I'm making you watch them. <laughs> no, put your texts about them, which yeah. are just usually like, oh my god, <laughs> why is this movie so bad? <laughs> what is happening in this terrible movie? <laughs> they, um, they did a PowerPoint swipe. <laughs> <laughs> the wipes get so ridiculous in the prequels. Um, uh, my number one, uh, one that uh, I actually didn't think about right away, um, but w- I thought about it and I thought, okay, I don't know if it's a standalone city or if it's like a, like technically counts as like a, like a uh, a bureau <laughs> or a borough rather of of the uh, larger sort of old San Francisco. Uh, I'm going with Toontown. Oh, fun. Who Frame Roger Rabbits. Also um, known as Chinatown Part 2. 
Yeah, Chinatown, but with cartoon characters. Yeah. Um, the, the whole vision in that movie, I still love. I think everything about that holds up. I love that it's just everyone's just there. Anything goes. I don't understand the geography of it. I don't understand the physics of it. You're not supposed to. It's a cartoon. It's where all the, the cartoons come from. That movie holds up much better as you get older. When you're younger, that movie makes no sense. But as you get older, you're like, oh, I get it. I get it now. Yeah. And it's 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 definitely but a, especially if you love classic cinema and you kind of and you love old animation and you kind of get that parallel between sort of the death of the the silent era of, you know, and, and yeah. as those that uh, transition from black and white to color. Um you have to but like, urbanization, you just you get a lot of stuff in there. Yeah, and it, it, as a kid though, you're watching it, you're like this isn't really that funny of a movie. <laughs> right. Why aren't the cartoons funnier? Yeah. Why Why isn't this... What's a noir, Dad? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Shut up and watch your cartoons. Why won't anyone open their blinds all the way? <laughs> <laughs> but Fewer yeah. people will get that, maybe, than <laughs> my other reference, but okay. But yeah, that's... But that's yeah, that movie is... It's, it's a brilliant example of noir. Yeah. And... Uh, that's why I call it Chinatown 2, because it essentially is Chinatown Part 2. Right. What, what is, it's, there was a Chinatown 2. It's called The Two Jakes, but, <laughs> but no one no one cares about no The Two Jakes. No one saw that movie. Everyone yeah. saw Frame Roger Rabbit. Because the first one, the uh, Chinatown, is about the the water. Yeah. You know, the controlling the water. And Toontown, and, uh, Frame Roger Rabbit, is about trolley cars, ain't it? Yeah, it's about it's it's about yeah. the freeway. It's it's, a, it's the, the same, same exact thing. concept. Yeah. It's he's buying up all of the the railway cars so that he can demolish them do away with basically take away because the whole point is no one has cars in san francisco so why would anyone use this freeway that someone's you know paying all this money to build and it's going to be a tollway yeah and then it's like well you have to buy up the competition and then just destroy it and yeah. remove it as a viable alternative and so people will have to use it and then and it's great yeah. and only a tune could come up with something so stupid <laughs> and then you have of course True Detective season two, which, <laughs> which is, is all of that without any of the humor, <laughs> style, yeah. or writing. <laughs> yes, all of that covered in doo doo. <laughs> Holy smoke, he's a two! Surprise! Not really. That lame brain freeway idea could only be cooked up by a two. Not just a two! All right, so we have uh, our final thoughts on, on on the Dark Knight Rises. Basara, basara, dish, dish, basara, basara, I'm glad I watched dish, it again, dish, even though I had to watch it in a couple of different parts and part of it with commercials. But uh, <laughs> uh, I hope didn't you like to... the commercials for Rizzoli and Isles? <laughs> it's a salon. <laughs> I hope to never ever watch it again. Yeah. Um, I probably will never watch it again. It's it's perfectly it's a it's okay it it's i i think that it's it's a better movie it's a better movie than i initially remembered a better movie than i gave it credit for but it's still just a a boondoggle of a movie <laughs> <laughs> that i uh, it made you feel all kerfluffled i don't <laughs> 
I don't. If it was not for you know Hardy and Hathaway and even even Bale, um, you know, and the and the cast is sort of regulars, you know, in that movie, really kind of making that material work as best as they can, um, and the effects. Uh, it would it would be a, a bigger disaster than it was, but I I liked it. I I'm it's a decent enough ending. Um, I think it works. I give it a C plus. All right, so I didn't like it anywhere near as much as you did. <laughs> um, and re- the funny thing is, is re-listening to the old podcast, I actually I started off saying I really liked it. Now I think that's because what I was saying earlier in the podcast, I went in going it was great for a comic book movie. Yeah. Um, now watching it with a little more critical eye. Okay, so the acting is all on point. Yeah. The directing is all on point. The editing is crap in this movie. Yeah. The story is nonsense. Yeah. From from minute one, This the, the writing of this movie makes no sense. The quick thing about the editing, because you say that the editing is crap, and I, and I want to just, can I agree with you? And I want to yeah. kind of point out why that we think that the editing is crap. Um, there's a lot of things that I noticed where, especially where they have to do the, the after um, Bane takes over Gotham, you they have to do a lot where they have to explain how all of this is going to work, and Bane delivers that speech right before he busts everyone out of prison. Mm-hmm. And you have to see it to see how and why everything's working. So he has to say little things like, the police will be taken care of. And it has to cut to they're giving them food. Yeah. And then it's like, there will be courts. And then it has to cut to yeah. a court, which is just like, is that later that afternoon? <laughs> like, how did it, like, it went from zero to Lord of the Flies in like, Two hours. Yeah. Like, what is happening in this in this place right now? And then it's like, and then you've got to cut to Bruce and, oh, and especially then, the pacing during that, where then it's just like, and now it's eight months later, and you're like, it's just it's baffling. The, the whole thing is a huge mess. The, the, that ironically, it should have been. I hate to say this, it could have been a little longer to to. <laughs> To, to show some of that, to be a little bit... Well, the, the problem is, is he got way too ambitious, and in the fourth act, that, that whole fourth yeah. act, it just, he tries to cram in so much. He realized there's no way that this would work, so we have to throw in all these stupid things to show, like, okay, so how are the cops getting food? Okay, so what are we doing with the... Okay, so where are these guys going? Okay, so... And he had to answer all these questions very, very quickly because his movie was already running, you know, 270 yeah. minutes or whatever. Uh, and it is. I, you know, like I've, I, of course, as my armchair quarterback, could come up with way better way of explaining away the, <laughs> yeah. these plot. And but I, I mean, hate to say what a movie should do because I think I think that's very, it's not yeah. terribly no. useful. But the movie should have <laughs> done some of these things. Well, and I think the the most egregious part of that is Bruce Wayne getting out of the hole and coming to Gotham. The city that no one can get into, and he just yeah. shows up. He does it right. I, I, I sup. <laughs> he just, walking down the street. Hey, I'm back. Uh, my news is still better. Um, <laughs> Doctor, put a rope around it. He's fine. Does, he doesn't. Uh, Garlage grew back. He doesn't like uh, come back as quickly as I remember. It seems like that because the editing is so bad. But we do we get a sense of the timeline because of the bomb. Yeah. So that gives us sort of a frame of that. So it's a couple of weeks it takes them. I think I, yeah. I didn't write it down, but I think it's like five weeks. I could be wrong about that. So it takes them about five weeks to, 
I guess, get out of the pit and what then he, get is, back to Gotham. What is he going on like a steamer? Well, but that's the point that <laughs> everyone was complaining. How does he get into Gotham? Well, that's, well, that I don't know. But that's, what, he's Batman. He's got ninja powers. Remember he trained for a couple of hours but in Nanda Parbat in the first would, movie that and he became been, a ninja? That would have been a great scene to see him like, like either like, like in a bat submarine or something. at least sneaking by some guys. Yeah. They don't karate chop him in the neck or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I chop him in the neck. <laughs> Whatever it was. And then he's like, I'm in Gotham now. Yeah. Like, yeah, that, what does that take? Four seconds to show? Four seconds of But no, we had, we had to time? show, we had to show uh, Catwoman giving an orphan an apple. <laughs> Never steal from anyone you can't outrun, kid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you see? In <laughs> 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 my town, see? <laughs> Yeah, I mean... Anyway, that's why the yeah. editing is bad. And, and I wanted to make sure that we had yeah, a reason why. I, we weren't just saying it was bad yeah. to say it was bad. But Because, I mean, like, as I say, the directing's on point, the cinematography's on point, the is acting it on is on... fleek, though? It's on fleek street. <laughs> uh, it's streets ahead. I'm just kidding. We're in the 30s. We don't know what that means. <laughs> and so, yeah, they, they, then you also have the... Let's see, the acting, directing, the directing, uh, the, the cinematography. All of that is great. But the, the, the plot itself is nonsense. It's... Yeah. Complete and utter nonsense. And I, that doesn't destroy a movie no, it completely, doesn't. I think, as much as for me as it does for you, because I'm willing to sort of watch. I, I'm fine with, like, the story is going to be silly. And and there's movies that we yeah. that we love that have goofy plots that you really shouldn't look too closely at. Yeah. That I'm that, – that, that's fine. Like, that's not I, – I think uh, uh, you can look at one movie and say the plot doesn't make any sense and – it's terrible. And you can look at another movie and go, the plot doesn't make any sense. But all this other stuff is pretty good, is good yeah. to great. And that helps. And that yeah. lets you overlook certain things. Yeah. That, which and I'm not doing just because it's a comic book movie. I do that for movies. Yeah. Well, and I think that's the problem is, is that with, with this movie in particular, it, it makes it seem like its plot is so good. Like, it's trying to tell you, like, oh, this plot's good. This this is a good plot. Yes. And it's like, no, this is not a good plot. This is yeah. a bad plot. Bad plot. Anyway. Uh, this plot went down with that airplane <laughs> in the first few minutes, <laughs> and it never got up again. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with a D plus on this one. Wow. I'm, I'm going Full low. Full letter grade. It's, it's, Lower. I was going to go, like, a C minus. It's just, but in rewatching it, like, when we did, I was just like, Th- this movie is so painful to watch, yeah, because it just keeps going and going and going. Like we we didn't even talk about all of the unnecessary subplots with the cops, and it's just like, why is this in this movie? Do we have to care <laughs> about any of this? Not even the cops underground, but I'm talking about the cops at the beginning of the movie when you have uh um what's Matthew Modine? Like. Why is Matthew Modine's character in this movie? I, yeah, I saw this twice and I forgot <laughs> yeah. Matthew Modine. He, he plays the, the the one cop who's like, I ain't going out there. I'm going to stay in my house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's like, uh, this is. That this, character did not need to exist. No. No. Not at all. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I go D. Plus. I, I might give it a C minus if I catch it on a good day, but aside, that's not really going to happen. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it. All right. Go to planetarbitrary.com for your planet arbitrary needs. You can follow me on Twitter at planet arbitrary. You can follow Kevin at K White says. Like our Facebook page, backslash planet arbitrary. Uh, you could also listen to us on iTunes. Like, comment, and subscribe there. It's the best way to help out the podcast. Another place to listen to is on the Game Classy Podcast YouTube page. We also are on there. Uh, speaking of, you can actually listen to Game Classy Podcast, which is a sister podcast available. It's all about tabletop gaming, starring me and. Uh, and Steve, uh, 
also on this feed is Planet Arbitrary is the Play On podcast with Pat of Pat's Retro Video Game Reviews and Steve as well, where they talk about video games. Um, so for the next podcast, for the next cast, we're going to be watching the Christmas movie and figure, why don't we just stick with the Batman theme? We're watching Batman Returns. You're trying to kill me with all this I Batman. Know. It's four Batman in a row. Oof. No more Batman for a while after yeah, this one. No. We're, we're putting a kibosh on the Batman. Well, we're going to do well, Batman Superman. It's going to come up in, what, March when that movie yeah, comes out? Yeah. yeah. We're going to have Batman again in a couple of months. Yeah. But, oh, well. No Batman for the foreseeable future, <laughs> except for Batman v Superman. But that's Batfleck. It's different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we're going to be doing Batman Returns. It's a great Christmas movie just for the holiday season. Yeah. And uh, so my recasting for the Batman Returns, so you can play along at home. Uh, I'm not doing a director this time. We're going to do, I'm giving you a Batman. And we're going to build around this Batman. Oh, okay. And you're going to come up. Cool. So, in the spirit of, of Christmas, our Batman is going to be Bing Crosby. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Okay. Do you have a top three? Um, you know, I haven't nailed one down yet. Um, we were talking, I think if we do something obvious like Christmas movies, it's going to be such an overlap because neither of us are real big on Christmas movies. We tend die to hard, like, die you hard, know, die exactly. Hard. Die Hard, Gremlins, uh, whatever, Christmas Vacation. Krampus. No, Krampus uh, wouldn't be on there. No, not Krampus. Um, <laughs> so, I don't know. Maybe we'll do something, Krampus. maybe we'll do something like, uh, like, uh, like maybe top three, like, um, like Christmases, like Christmas scenes in movies that may or may not be Christmas movies. We could do something with Christmas song. We have to do something festive, right? All right. So we'll, your top three Santas, movie Santas. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't really have a good one yet. Okay, so we'll we'll come up with that one a little bit later. Yeah. All right. So Kevin, until next time, up top. <laughs> Comic book logic. Another subplot with it is is that Alfred is very upset that Bruce is putting on the bat. He's like, "You can't do it, Mister Wayne. You're eight years too old. You're a stupid fucker." <laughs> she was only fifteen. Oh. <laughs> great Alfred, uh, great uh, Michael Caine reference. I can't. I wish I could do a Michael Caine. I can't do Michael no. Caine. No, no, it's too much. But that's the thing. Is like, We're not sophisticated. You know, Alfred does this whole. Oh my god, Michael Caine was like fucking on fire in this movie. Like every like line was just charged oh, with yeah. emotion. Oh, I was yeah. like, I was just like, fuck, this is this is fucking phenomenal, Michael Caine. I haven't seen Michael Caine do this since like fucking Elfie in 1972. <laughs> you know? Or like, you know, uh, good night, you princess of New England. Do you know? The, yeah, yeah. The Cider House Rules. Uh huh. A movie about abortion. Yeah. Um, but Michael Caine is just like, you know, when you were away, I went to a little cafe in, in Rome, and, or wherever oh, he says. I can't wait till we talk about that ending. Oh, oh, yeah. Son of a bitch bastard. And so he's like, and I sat there, and I, I took, and I just imagine seeing you with a wife and kids or something like that, and you'd be happy. We wouldn't say anything to each other. We just look and we nod. Every day when I drive up to your house, I think maybe you won't be there. <laughs> Good will hunting. No goodbye. <laughs> no anything. Because <laughs> I knew you were always better than this. <laughs> you were always gonna get out of South oh Boston. My God. Oh my God. <laughs>